0: Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in his book, Life Together, writes about his reflection on Christian community. While he points out the important aspects of different spiritual disciplines that we too have engaged throughout the summer, one of the lines that stopped me in my tracks was this, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community but the person who loves those around them will create community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, what is fellowship? This is the question that we will wrestle with today. And over the last several weeks, we have been engaging together different spiritual disciplines. The challenges and constant change over the last 18 months has radically shifted our spiritual lives. And as we have been thinking together about holy habits, the things that regardless of distance or disaster, we can continue to practice as Christians. But fellowship, that's one of those ones that has been tested greatly in the last year. There is nothing that can replace face-to-face communication. 93% of communication is nonverbal. And so while we have adapted as best as we can using creativity and technology, there is no doubt that fellowship can be replaced. And so today, while some of us continue to engage online, while others of us could not be more anxious to have coffee and donuts, God's word for us today invites us to consider how fellowship, true Christian fellowship, Is not an end in and of itself it is the means to the end some of you may be wondering how fellowship could be a discipline or a practice that we are instructed to engage but as we look together at how the early church participated in fellowship I pray that God's Spirit would invite you to consider more fully the importance and vitality of fellowship So let's jump in. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Acts 2, verses 42 through 47, and it will be up on the screen as well. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. those who were being saved this is the word of the lord as you may recall the book of acts gives a historic narrative of the early church it feels hard to imagine for me what it really would have been like in those times when people struggled they had strife and sacrifice to really believe that jesus was who he said he was But these people, they were eyewitnesses to Jesus's ministry who went and told their family and friends about all they had seen and heard. And as they heard that news, they couldn't help but go share it with others. When those people heard of Jesus, they could not contain themselves. And that is the story of Acts. It is a beautiful story a story that brought me to tears when I was in college and had to read through the entire book in one sitting. And I challenge you to do so one time. (laughs) This early church found in today's passage had heard the good news of Jesus Christ, that he was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a life without sin or blemish. He was crucified and was buried and on the third day resurrected conquering sin and death. The early church believed this good news and that good news radically transformed their lives. Some things that today's passage teaches us is how they were devout in their follow-through care. As more and more people heard the good news of Jesus Christ, it wasn't enough that they just showed up. As people continued to give their life to Jesus, they begun to get involved into community. And we're told of four features the church was based on. One, teaching and instruction. Two, fellowship. Three, the breaking of bread, or communion. And four, prayer. So teaching, fellowship, communion, and prayer were these four main features that the early church practiced. And today, we're gonna focus on that second feature, fellowship. The word fellowship in Greek is kononia. And I know Pastor Curtis would be proud if you guys learned it. (laughs) Kononia, go ahead and repeat that after me. Kononia. That word means fellowship, here meaning the body of believers. But the word is used eight other times in the New Testament one of those times is 1 Corinthians nine, which says this, God is faithful, who called you into fellowship with his Son, Christ Jesus our Lord. God has called you into fellowship with him. So not only do we have fellowship with one another, but we have fellowship with God. We then see in the following verses, a larger description of the different aspects of community life. From the wonders and signs performed through the Holy Spirit to the material care the church was able to provide, the church radiated Christ. Or as Dee taught us last week, they worshiped Christ. The passage goes on and tells us that they continued to meet together in the temple courts shared meals together in their homes, and they had glad and sincere hearts as they praised God and enjoyed his favor. Everything they did and said reflected Christ. They believed wholeheartedly that the resurrection changed everything. They had a single-minded focus, which was on God. And we see in the way that they come together, sharing every part of their life with one another, that nothing was compartmentalized. And so today, as we gather together, both online and here in the sanctuary, we open ourselves up to think about the way that God's invitation into fellowship may be different than our own expectations. As I read this passage, I cannot help but notice the fruit of God's work in the early church. Again, as I look out at this passage, we see that they're devoted to teaching, to fellowship, communion, and prayer. And everyone, everyone, not just believers, but everyone was filled with awe. What would that be like here? Our community would be filled with awe at what the church, the people are doing. We see that their unity allowed them to provide for every need, not just physical, spiritual, emotional, and that their meeting together filled them with glad and sincere hearts that praised God. And at the end of that, it says that God, again, notice who takes the credit, God added to their number daily. What a beautiful and extraordinary example of what it looks like to be a family of faith who was so radically impacted by the gospel that all of their lives were affected. Today, our scripture reading was from Luke 10 when Jesus entered Martha's house and her sister Mary was there as well. I can only imagine this with a sister who's eight years older than me. And if one of us had a house guess what it would be like for us to clean the house and wait for the guests to be there. And then I show up and I just sit there. And my sister's cleaning the whole house and I'm, I can't help Julie, I'm super sorry, but I gotta be with the guest. I can only imagine what my sister would say. She wouldn't talk to the guests. She would talk to me. And being the little sister, I need no other explanation than I would clean. I would, I would get what she wants me to do. But we see that while Martha was busy cleaning the house, Mary could not be, more, could not be distracted. Jesus was there. And she was going to sit there and learn from him. And when Martha asked Jesus about this, he responds that Mary has chosen the greater thing. She was choosing to be with God rather than doing. Both important. But in that moment, the greater thing was to be with Jesus. Have we been too busy doing that we really miss being? Are you too busy doing for God that you're not with God? Because today's passage reminds us that how when we fellowship with one another, it is in ways similar to how we fellowship with God. It's right at the end of the passage that we get the glimpse into the power of today's text. It was the Lord that added to their number daily to those who were being saved. What this text reminds me of is it's not the early churches doing that, people were drawn to the gospel. It was the gospel, and the gospel was enough. The gospel message drew people to radically transform their lives. And God used this gospel message in mighty ways to draw others to it. An article by Christianity Today published in 2020, which feels far away, but I find still relevant, um, that an average American spends nine minutes a day on spiritual activity. Nine minutes a day. That is 63 minutes a week. That three-minute conversation you have with someone, whether over the phone or heading out of today's service, might feel a little bit more important to you right now. I know it does to me. And I cannot think of a more meaningful thing we can offer one another than being willing to be with one another. To listen, to provide care, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. How we spend our time together here really matters. And even more, how we spend our time with people who don't know the gospel matters too. Let's go back to that Dietrich Bonhoeffer quote we started with today. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. What does it look like for you to love your community? Dietrich Bonhoeffer suggests one of the easiest ways to do so is to listen. I did my master's in pastoral care and counseling. And one of the things that really transformed me as a listener is to learn that the best way I can listen is to listen without formulating an answer. Imagine that. You ask someone, how are you? And then they're actually waiting for you to respond. They're not looking for the chance for them to tell you how they are. Get this, imagine this. You say good morning to someone, and rather than saying, good, how are you? They say, good morning, how are you? I don't know how many times I've said good morning, and then someone responds, good, how are you? Oh, good. See you later. <laughs> but rather, what would it look like for us? Remember those nine minutes someone maybe spends on spiritual activity a day, for someone to listen, for someone to be with them. And I say that because I I do this too. I am at fault. What today's scripture reveals to us is how the good news of the gospel should transform how we interact with one another. It's not about being people who are easy to talk to or have similar passions as you, but it's about being so drawn to the gospel that the relationships you share here and in our community really are transformed. Because the gospel reminds us that God is always listening to us. And he's not waiting for his chance to talk back. He is waiting for you to talk to him. What we share in fellowship with one another is a glimpse of who God is to us. And as we listen patiently, as we share vulnerably, we share a God who is patient with us insecurities, faults, and all. You know, I'm still trying to figure this preaching thing out. I think I've preached four times virtually and twice in person. So this whole preaching thing has been something I'm still figuring out. And I feel the tension of talking about fellowship when the last year and a half has felt so unpredictable. It was one Sunday that I was having dinner at my parents' house, like we always do on Sunday nights, to the next day, my parents were masked, standing in the street, dropping off the groceries that they could find so that I could have food for the week. And this last year radically transformed how we interact with one another. But today, I do feel God's invitation for us to answer honestly. And so I want to invite you to grab a piece of paper and maybe a pen. And you can do this right now or you can do this later. You guys know this is something I really like. Interaction, you guys having to apply what we're learning. So this is the question, the first question I want you to either write down or answer honestly for yourself right now Remember, I'll wait for you guys to answer. So this is the question. What is one thing that is getting in the way of you participating in fellowship? What is one thing that is getting in the way of you participating in fellowship? I'll give you 30 seconds to either just think about it and be present before God, or maybe you'll write the question down and carve out some time this week. So go ahead, spend some time answering that question. I'll share that for me, it's pride. Pride that I have to have it all together in order to contribute. And I really struggle with this each day that I show up for work. Being a young female in ministry, it's hard. And it's of no person's doing other than my own that I am prideful and it gets in the way of my fellowship. And this just leads into my next question, which is this. What is one thing you need to receive in fellowship? I'll give you some time to answer that as well. Again, I can only answer for myself when I say grace. I need the fellowship around me, the community I share with those here and in my community to share the grace of God with me, that I can show up and not have it all together. And for me, it takes being vulnerable enough to know that God in his lavish love has given me grace to not have it all together That I can be honest with those around me for them to know I don't have it all together either. When I look around here, I see people full of different life stories. Stories of pain and of joy, of sorrow and of celebration. And what at times has separated us is our expectation of how we're supposed to do this all together. But instead of being honest and vulnerable, we have at times taken steps away from one another rather than towards. This last year has displaced all of us in different ways. And our relationships with one another and with those in our community have been strained. But if we do not allow those things to get in the way of the radical implications of the gospel, I am hopeful that those around us may experience God in new ways. You see, fellowship is not the end in and of itself. It is the means to the end. And as we gather together, sharing in teaching, in fellowship, in communion and prayer, we are then sent out to a broken and hurting world. And as we allow the gospel to transform how we interact with one another, I cannot help but have faith that God will produce a fruit. It's not up to us, that's up to God. What a unique opportunity we have to put away our expectations and to live within God's design. My prayer for us is that God's spirit would so draw us to him that the way we would be sent out would be different. That we would be a church like that early church described in Acts, that would be devoted to teaching, to fellowship, to communion, and to prayer. That we would live in unity, caring well for our neighbors. That we would meet here and in each other's homes, sharing life with one another. And as a result, that God would use us in a world that is hurting to draw us, draw them to him because that is the end he is the end fellowship is just the means would you pray with me